And now, proper propaganda. You're just tuning in to Civic Cipher. I'm your host, Ramses Ja. I go by the name Q Ward most of the time. Yes, indeed. Um, and we want you to stick around. we got a lot more show coming your way. We are still going to be talking about guns and specifically how everyone tends to focus on everything except the real issue. Uh, so we're going to shed some light on some of the more, forgive me, asinine things that have been suggested <laughs> instead of actually dealing with you know, the reality of the situation here in this country. Um, we're also going to spend some time talking about uh, a young lady named Latasha Harris. And um, how important she was to Tupac. I don't want to tell her story before we get there. Um, but uh, you might know the name. He mentioned her in a lot of his music. So we're going to dedicate our way Black History Fact to her. But first and foremost, we're going to discuss how to become a better ally baba so uh if you are a nfl boss you should probably turn up your radio right now i got some real game for you if only they cared to listen all right this one comes from sports illustrated the nba has 15 black head coaches for the first time um i will read with the Lakers hiring of uh, Darvin Ham, uh, that was official as of Friday, June 3rd, uh, 15 of the NBA's 30 teams will have a black head coach for the first time in league history. The NBA commissioner, Adam Silver, said at the NBA Finals, quote, this isn't unique to the NBA, and I've learned this from other businesses. You have to talk about these issues all the time. If you care about diversity and inclusion in your workplace, you've got to look at the data. You've got to constantly present it to your colleagues, to your department heads, to your teams, and it has to become a focus, unquote. Silver discussed his hope for a day when the color of a person's skin is no longer newsworthy, when they are hired to a prominent role going on to state, quote, at the same time, while I'm particularly proud of these numbers that and that roughly 50% of our head coaches are black now, the goal is that's not newsworthy, is that that's not newsworthy and that when people are hired, their first reaction isn't the color of their skin. I don't want to be naive either, though, because I know that what we do in this league is important symbolically, not just for sports, but for other industries and people watch us all around the world. Now, sometimes we give you advice. Sometimes we give you examples. That very much is an example. Um, diversity at its best and i think that the nba is better for it um i certainly have noticed a lot of people engaged this go round. indeed now back to the lecture at hand that was a snoop dogg reference for those not old it was enough to very know. very hard not to continue with those lyrics <laughs> so forgive that pregnant pause um why is everyone focusing on everything but the real issue, which is guns, and the real answer, which is gun control? So, uh, Ms. Maggie, a.k.a. Maggie B. Nolan, points out to us that the main issues are that whoever wants a gun can have a gun. The lack of community and conflict resolution skills, um, 
means that anyone with a gun can use the gun to solve problems that shouldn't be solved with a gun. Um, of course, the NRA suggests that there should be more funding for police and security and police and schools, which we both wholly reject. School security, not mad at that. School police, that's different. Maybe a conversation for another day. Maybe a conversation today. We'll see how I feel. Um, and for those that want to do a little bit more research on that topic, you can check out this show. One of our first episodes, we had a woman up named Janelle Wood who came up to discuss the, the school to prison pipeline. And she is much more able to articulate how troubling the data is from uh, schools that hire police officers and what the implications are when that happens. Um, also, I saw recently John Oliver do a, a segment on school police as well, and he did it masterfully. Yeah, greatly so appreciate it. So Another ally of ours. Yes. So it's not just me. It's not just this show. These are people who have compiled data on their own, but perhaps we'll circle back to it. The other thing that uh, um, Maggie B. No one wants us to make sure to mention is that right wing and gun supporters suggest uh, the following man traps, uh, new doors, fewer doors, trip wires, uh, God and religion. Um, I mean, I've been, there've been lots of thoughts and prayers so far. So for him to say that we need God and religion, I don't know what the basis of that is. Not, not knocking God, not knocking religion. That's not my way, but you know, we need to do more. We need to take responsibility. We can't put the responsibility squarely in God's lap. If we have the tools among ourselves to fix the problem, that's what I mean. Um, investments in classrooms should include colorful ballistic blankets. That's another uh, idea suggested by the right. And of course, Suggested by an elected official, someone who's already in office, not someone who is trying to get your attention. Mm. This is someone whose salary is paid by your tax dollars and their job is to create meaningful legislation for you and your children. Mm. Her suggestion, colorful, ballistic blankets. Let us not forget the, uh, the granddaddy of all of these arming teachers in the classrooms. So these are some of the ideas that um, have been suggested by the right. And I guess to uh, Maggie's point, she has noticed that nationally we're focusing on everything. I'm not picking on the right. We all, all of us are focusing on everything, but the real issue guns. I'm picking um, on the right. If anybody sure, can sure. hear my voice, I, 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 I'm because I, the voices that are focusing on all these wrong things all from come from the right. All one hundred percent. That's fair. Now, um, the thing about this is that when we're talking about gun violence, when we're talking about these devices that are used to end lives you know and that's their only purpose people 
I think we said it best at the beginning. It's like a part of their identity, not necessarily a part of their reality. We need to keep our guns because it's my right. They don't live in war zones. They don't, you know what I mean? Like death is not around the corner for these folks. You know what I mean? To the degree that would justify them having AR-15 style rifles. You know, they're not soldiers on the front line of a battlefield, right? But that identity is something that keeps a lot of folks supporting these very vocal talking heads on the right. Um, keeping them elected, keeping them holding office. And that identity now has to coexist with an identity of we are a nation that will move forward past multiple school shootings, Sandy Hook, Parkland. Um, we had, there was one that we talked about in, uh, in Michigan not too long ago. You know, of, of course, Uvalde is, is more recent, but not just school shootings, not just school shootings. And I, I don't want people to get that narrative and think that, that we're, we're really addressing the problem because school shootings are just some of the mass casualty events that happen. Yeah, that's one of the many categories now. Right. We have to categorize our mass shootings. And we can't lump grocery uh, or supermarkets into that, even though there's a good number of those shootings. Or church. Or church. Or movie theaters. Talk to them. Or shopping malls. Go ahead. You want to get to concerts? Talk to them. Or music festivals. Say that. Or concerts. Right. So what do they all have in common that ballistic blankets don't address and man traps, you know, you said festivals. Think how do man traps affect festivals? You know what I mean? Or grocery or stores. hardened doors, like your former president suggested. Right. But what does, what conversation at least does start us toward making all of those places a bit safer? Maybe it either being more difficult to get a gun or there being some way to license, train, and regulate the people that own them. Hold on one second. You're going to hear this. That was a mic drop. All right. You can pick that back up. Sorry. I didn't mean it. <laughs> I think that was necessary. Yeah. And we realized that we're two men and our producer, a woman, uh, making a show and sharing it with you. Obviously, we have some support staff here as well, but um, we realized that we're a handful of folks making this show, but I think that we feel like by having these conversations in, in a manner that's they're very plain, very approachable, you know, these are the conversations that Q and I have all the time. We're actually friends, you know, we hang out all the time. So this is a thing that we are doing together because we decided to do it, but we've been friends long before the show, way long before the show, decades before the show. Um, but, you know, having these conversations and because we have access to this information and some microphones and some transmitters and some, some, some signals in a couple of cities, or a good number of cities around the country, we feel like that by having these conversations, we can empower our listeners to have conversations in their communities as well that are based on plain everyday language. They're not tied up in some extremist identity even if that extremist identity is an American identity, no matter what I'm, I'm an American, right? I'll say it before anyone else. Unlike other people, I have a couple of solid claims that I can make about how much I love this country. 
I've been to all the states. Got proof. You can check me out on Instagram at Ramses Jot. Look for the flag. It's all there. Got the flag player. Got the flag player. But this identity that is keeping us kind of locked into this holding pattern, this identity of, you know, the Second Amendment is it's our right to, you know, tout the, the gun in the Bible, you know, um, it's toxic. It's very, very toxic. You know, and I and I I know that there's been lots of conversations about mental health. Obviously, the pandemic, we saw some things happen as a result of the pandemic. My belief, my estimation personally, is that people got afraid, fear sells in this country, you know, and then the media says, sells fear, not us. We don't do that. It's, you know, perhaps why we're not a bigger show. But, you know, we're not here to be a big show. Hopefully we're here to be a smaller and smaller show because the necessity of the show will eventually dissipate. We'll see. Um, but people got afraid at the beginning of the pandemic. They purchased more guns thinking that people were going to start robbing each other. And then when you have more guns, guns attract gun energy. People think you can solve problems with guns, you know, and guns tend to be a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And you can't undo a child missing her head. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about the Valde shootings because, as we mentioned, there's handgun violence, which makes up a good number of the shootings in this country. There's suicides, there's, you know, inner city crimes that are based on what is statistically proven to be, um, or rather uh, data has shown to be largely based on economic inequality. Um, so again, addressing economic inequality um, and stricter gun laws might be the combination that we might need to really see our country become what it can become and reach its fullest potential. I digress. Back to identity. These are the things that we need to learn to let go. Um, now, far be it for me to say that nobody should have a gun, even though that's really how I feel. I really feel that way, if I'm honest, but I wouldn't say that. I mean, there's no way that the world wouldn't be safer if that were the case, absolutely. And that's not up for debate or argument. Yeah. Like that's just a very, very simple and easy truth. Yeah, the logic is all there. Yeah. You don't even need to like run the numbers there. But I realized that for some people, some of our listeners, you know, I talked to a man um, earlier in the week named Ed Shelby. Ed Shelby is a, he's the man that went viral for standing outside of his son's school where his wife works as the nurse in Killeen, Texas. He went viral for standing out there. I believe it was the day after the shooting in Uvalde. He is an ex-military, uh, obviously a family man who decided that he was going to do something. And he provides security. That's what he does since um, leaving the military. Um, so he knows security, how to implement it, you know, how to strategize, that sort of stuff. And he's been working with schools and other, you know, uh, groups around the country to try to put together plans to 
help us all out. He's not doing nothing, right? So I talked to this man on uh, the daily podcast that I do called the Black Information Network Daily Podcast. Check it out on the iHeartRadio app. And he is a proud gun owner, right? So I couldn't in good conscience say, you know, no guns, right? Knowing that a man like him, from based on what I can tell, is a good guy with a gun. My very own co-host, Q Ward, is a gun owner. I believe him to be a good guy with a gun. I'll even take it this far. Some people are going to get mad at me for saying it, but I do believe that some police officers are good guys and women with guns, right? If bad turned to worse, one number I would call. And, and no one should be upset with you for saying that because we don't argue against police officers on this show. Yeah, we don't. It's the system Talk to of policing in Say this that. country. We, the, the people are people just like us. Yep. We, we give there, them that. There are people that do our job that are awful people. It's not the job. It's not the people I mean. Rather, it's the job. There are some awesome people that do this job as well. There are some awesome police officers. The people, we know some, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I'm related to some retired police officers. Okay. But that system, it, we won't harp, but I thought that was important to point that out. Thank you. For I don't think people would be upset because our struggle is not with individual people. Right. It's with a system that was that does exactly what it was designed to do. Mm-hmm. And that design is flawed, especially, tragically especially flawed for us. Yeah. Especially for people that look like us. Right. So, again, rethinking safety, rethinking what safety looks like, rethinking what policing could look like now. The point I'm making is that this identity that we have, I can't say, okay, let's get rid of all the guns because there are people that I know, yourself, um, and again, Ed, and uh, Eddie, Shelby. You could, though, because if you said it and enough people agreed with it and some legislation was passed, I'd be first. I'd spend the night the night before so that I could be first. To give give your guns back, yeah. To give all of mine back, yeah. Now, I do recognize that some people don't want to do that. And so where we are is, yes, there is the right to bear arms written into the Constitution of this country. And it's sort added of like to the Constitution added. Thank you. As an amendment. Um, and it's sort of like the. Uh, I don't want to use the word, but the blank in the punch bowl. Uh, the, uh, the poop in the punch bowl, we'll call it that way, um, from where I sit, because I don't accept that as a part of my American identity, me, Ramses, who does love this country. And right. who was born in the 80s. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like when, when that amendment was added, I think it had a righteous purpose, mm-hmm. right? The, 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 the idea of tyranny and the idea at that time of militia Right. And those being people who might be corrupted by money and power, like, you know, the politicians of today Mm -hmm. being the only ones allowed to bear arms could have been a very um, scary position for a citizen to be in. However, I don't care how many guns you have today, folks. If our government 
<laughs> became a tyranny and they decided to turn their weapons on us, you don't have enough to defend yourself against our nation's military or our nation's police. Right. And when our nation's police turn their guns on us, we march in solidarity with them. And when I say we, I mean the Second Amendment people. You can't have it both ways. Let me add to that. So there are restrictions on the types of weapons that people can have right now. And, and what a lot of people are asking for and calling for is to increase those restrictions, right? So obviously it is illegal to possess a bazooka in this country, right? It is illegal to possess a nuclear weapon in this country. It is illegal to possess a tank in this country, but guess who has bazookas and nuclear weapons and tanks? Well, that's the government, right? And the military, right? So we're supposed to have a second amendment to rise up against a tyrannical government to your point, Q. Now, if we have AR-15s, right? And we know that they're military style weapons, then we have to assume that the military is going to come with something bigger than an AR-15 if, if the government was going to turn against us, right? So we're losing that battle every time. At no point is the government going to say, you know, you know what, everybody can get every weapon, it's fine, right? Because of the potential for us to become destroyed by just some wacko. I mean, for the same reasons that they shouldn't be able to have an AR-15 AR today. That's the point I'm going to make. So watch Someone this. might be irresponsible with such a weapon and so, do way more harm than they should be able to do. So watch what I'm going to tell you. We move that line a little bit closer, right? A little bit further away from uh, machine guns, a little bit closer to, okay, you need to protect yourself and your family from reasonable, a, a reasonable percentage of threats, Right. Someone breaks into your house and you're not good, a good fighter and you can't swing a bat, you might want to have a gun. Handgun might work great. Shotgun, that's about it, right? For you to have a machine gun to mow down tons of people on a battlefield, the ready assumption there is that your house is going to be under attack by zombies. I don't know. You know, whatever, you know, whatever it is. I don't mean to laugh, but yeah. I, I, just, I can't understand why anybody would spend that money and have that gun. I get that some people think that's cool. That's a little, if I'm honest, just me, I'm not knocking you if you're listening, but that's a little gross to me because all it can do is end lives. And if you think that's cool, to me, that like makes my stomach turn that, that that's what you find cool, right? I still love you and I will still love you. And I hope that you find your way, but that's not cool to me. I will never celebrate the loss of life. It doesn't, it, it, even if you hunt animals, you know what I mean? If you hunt animals in that way, that's particularly yeah, um, and, and unsettling. People, and you're talking about people that hunt animals for sport, not for need, not because mm -hmm. they're hungry, you know what I mean? But so they can uh, essentially brag about it. And they wear this type of gun culture, like a masculinity cape mm -hmm. um, to kind of fortify some things that aren't there, in my opinion. Now, before we move on, I want to take a moment because I'm feeling froggy. Um, I want to share a headline with you. This one comes from the ACLU. Cops and no counselors. Lack of school mental health staff is harming students. Okay, I'll just read briefly. Our findings indicate that too many schools are more likely to employ school police than mental health providers. There are more than 14 million students in schools with police, but no counselor, nurse, psychologist, or social worker. Um, I think that that's very telling because 
any number of those other peoples could work to help prevent crimes from happening in the per- first well, place. And as we've seen, police oftentimes do not make any difference. We won't even say could. We know that they would. And with regards to police, some follow up to a conversation that we had last week, not to belabor this topic. I went back to where the incident happened with my son to see if they had cameras. And I think I remember I told you when we filed the police report, they're like, yeah, if this happens again, at least we have your information, but no investigation. They did not have cameras, but the same people came back and tried to take someone else's kid. I never even had to describe them. They described him, her, and him, and the car they were in without me saying a word. So these exact people have been back to try it again and are still at large because nobody even cares to look into it. If you don't know the story that he's talking about, please listen to last week's episode where Q explains the situation where someone tried to kidnap his son in front of a grocery store and the police fell short on what he was expecting of them. I don't think they fell short. I think they did exactly what you were expecting of them. But anyway, unfortunately. All right. Time for the way Black History Fact. We're moving into this a bit late, but uh, let's talk about it. So we're going to, this one comes from MTV News, uh, sponsored by Hip Hop Weekly Magazine. Uh, Latasha Harris, an American girl. Uh, Latasha Harlins. Uh, Harlins, sorry about that. Latasha Harlins. Uh, she's from South Central. Um, and they remembered the 15 year old girl killed 13 days after Rodney King was beaten. Um, so I'll read. Uh, this is not television. This is not the movies. This is real life. This was how Deputy District Attorney Roxanne Carvajal cautioned a jury before showing them the last seconds of Latasha Harlan's life as captured by a security camera on March 16, 1991. The video showed the 15-year-old girl first struggling with Soon Jadu, the owner of Empire Liquor Market in Delhi on South Figueroa Street, then walking away and finally falling down, having been shot in the head by Du. According to the Los Angeles Times, the tape drew gasps in the courtroom as the jury watched and do sitting at the defense table cried, was her fear reasonable? Was this legal? Was this the legal standard that Judge Joyce A. Carlin, who heard the case against Dew later that year, used to evaluate the then 51-year-old store owner's culpability? Was Dew's fear reasonable when she became suspicious of a teenage girl who entered the store at 9.35 a.m. on a Saturday morning? was due acting reasonably when she accused Harlins of stealing the bottle of orange juice she had put in her backpack after quickly browsing an aisle. Was due reasonable when after engaging in a physical altercation with Harlins over the juice, which Harlins had insisted she was going to pay for, she shot the girl in the head. Was all of this the final moments of Latasha Harlins' life, the girl lying on the store floor clutching the dollar bills she had intended to purchase the juice with? the rational result of the reasonable fear that an adult woman might fear of a teenage girl. Carlin sentenced due to five years of probation, 400 hours of community service, a small fine, and no prison time. Speaking 25 years after Harlan's death at an event held last month at the Hammer Museum, Loyola Law School professor Priscilla Ocean argued that the court proceedings were marred by the same social disdain that motivated Dew's fatal act of racial profiling. Quote, when I see that case, one of the things that strikes me is the way in which anti-black bias, anti-black girl bias is embedded in the jury's verdict and is embedded in the judge's decision to grant Soon Ja Du probation. 
Hossein's specification of the gender digression that colors the perception of young black girls in public restores to Harlan's story. The precision of its tragedy in the prestige projects that have emerged a generation after the Los Angeles riots, including Ezra Edelman's notable 2016 documentary, OJ Made in America, Harlan's death has figured as a sort of informational prologue to the narratives of black men like Rodney King and OJ Simpson. Quote, it's important for us to remember that the riots were not just about Rodney King, said legal scholar Kim, Kimberly Crenshaw at the same time, uh, at the same Hammer Museum event, sorry. For many Angelinos, Latasha Harlan's was the only point, was the only point. As we look at the families of Trayvon Martin and Ezell Ford, we can do the roll call of racially charged killings, said David Bryant, co-founder of the Latasha Harlan's Justice, Justice Committee, speaking at a vigil held on the 25th anniversary of Harlan's death. In the 90s, the committee would conduct yearly protests demonstrating outside the courthouse where Carlin handed down her decision. We were the forerunners to all that misery. UCLA professor Brenda Stevenson the contested murder of Latasha Harlan's Justice, Gender, and the Origins of the LA Riots, published in 2013, gives readers a detailed portrait of the girl and her familial, geographical, and racial context. She was born in Illinois in 1975. She had moved to South Central when she turned six years old. Harlan's father left Latasha and her siblings when they were still young. Her mother, Crystal, was killed at a nightclub in 1985. The trauma her family surmised contributed to Harlan's quiet and shy demeanor through her grandmother, though her grandmother lamented that right before her death, Harlan's was showing interest in dating. Tasha, as she was called by friends and family, was raised by her grandmother, Ruth, a quote, strong-willed and dignified woman from Alabama. They lived about five minutes away from the market owned by the Du family. She told friends that she was acutely aware of the eyes watching in her book, uh, Stevenson, maintains that much about the outcomes of this case can be understood when one examines closely the personal biographies and group histories of Latasha Harlan's Soon Jadu and Joyce Carlin. Their individual life stories and the stories of their ancestors are windows into their personal socializations and perspectives that must have affected the ways in which they regarded and responded to each other. Now, um, I want to read this because it's important. You know, obviously, we're talking about uh, history and you know the 25th anniversary and all these things. But uh, we also want to make sure that we do this carefully. Um, this is not an anti-Asian uh, conversation at all. This is a thing that happened in a community that kind of triggered a lot of what we're now seeing today. Um, we did have a conversation on this show where we discussed the history of the relationship between black people and Asian people in this country. Um, Asian people were able to come over to this country and get small business loans based off of um, some government programs. Those loans were only good in poor neighborhoods, black neighborhoods. Um, and because of a lot of uh, anti-black bias, and because of a lot of economic inequalities and opportunities going away from black people who had an entrepreneurial spirit to um, folks just moving here, largely Asian Americans, uh, led, it led to a lot of resentment in those neighborhoods. We on this show love wholeheartedly and will full-throatedly support um, the fair treatment and uh, the um, su support 
of our Asian American and Pacific Island uh, brothers and sisters. Um, but this story is history, and this is our way Black history fact for today. I do want to um, end with this. Tupac had an affinity for Latasha and has mentioned her name in several songs, as well as dedicating the iconic song, Keep Your Head Up, to Latasha. So we wanted to make sure that we celebrated her today. But that's going to do it for us here today on Civic Cipher. Once again, I'm your host, Ramses Ja. Q is still with me. <laughs> uh, but um, today's show was also produced by our producer, Maggie, a.k.a. Ms. Maggie, a.k.a. Maggie B. Nolan. Um, be sure to hit the website, civiccipher.com. Download this and any previous episodes. Um, if you feel like supporting us, we could use the support. The show is still growing. We're looking for our 30th radio station, and we will uh, get there soon. Your support really helps us toward that end. So um, be sure to make a donation if you can. Um, and follow us on all social media. We're at Civic Cipher. You can follow me at Ramses Jai. You can follow Q at IMQ Ward. And talk with us during the week. Send us any ideas, show topics, or just holler at us. And we'll talk to you next week. All right? So then, peace. Stepping the borders with press passes, we bring it to you as it happens. The streets love my crew for music and rapping. Street commander slash beat expander, here to fight the slander with the proper propaganda. What's happening? You got a question, then ask it. The news is just a TV show, get past it. And this from a quiet wartime journalist headlines. Wake up, refuse, and resist. Like this, like this, like this, like this. We kick finance, action, and